0: Welcome to the Catholic Gentleman Podcast, where we discuss what it means to be a man who lives with virtue and how to grow in holiness in today's world. Coming up, we discuss how the world has fallen into seeing things and even people simply as a means to our own personal ends. If we are honest with ourselves, this has worked its way into our mode of operating, even if we know that it is flawed and undesirable. Our guest today explains how we have been conditioned to see the world through a disordered lens. And it is by being aware of this disorder, identifying these problems in society, that we can improve our lives, thrive in our relationships, and become the man the world needs. We go into this and finish with practical things we can be doing today to start living that improved life. So stay with us. everyone. Thanks for joining us. Another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are so blessed that you have decided to join us today. We are your hosts, Sam Guzman and John Heinen. Please keep us in your prayers. If you have a moment, we are so grateful for Dr. John Cutterback joining us today. We are going to be able to talk about stewardship in the family unit or in the household unit and its connection with the earth, with God's nature and his beauty. And we we're really looking forward to diving into that. But before we jump in there, who is Dr. John Cutterback? He is a professor of philosophy at Christendom College, where he's actually been teaching for 25 years. I've been following him for a number of years. So grateful for all the work and the stuff that he puts out online. I'm gonna actually make sure that we have time to talk about that dropping things in the show notes later on in this episode. He lectures widely on topics that include virtues, fatherhood, friendship, and household. And he's a professional writing and in his professional writings appear in various academic works, also non-academic works too. I've definitely seen a number of articles on different, uh, you know, blog sites and things of that nature. And just so blessed to have come across those. His book, true friendship was republished by ignatius press we'll put that in the show notes as well and uh yeah he's blogging and he's got all this extra in all his free time he does stuff on lifecraft which we're going to be able to talk about as well so um before we dive into the subject matter today john how are you doing
1: great great john great to be with you I'm, i'm feeling the excitement of this topic too with you so i'm ready to go
0: Yeah, well, and we feel uh, grateful that you are inspired to talk about this, right? It's something that Sam and I talk about a lot. We talk about the rupture of man, right? We kind of try and break it down using um, Augustine and talk about, you know, the divide between ourselves and God, ourselves and neighbor, ourselves internally, and ourselves in nature. And then we... Neither of us homestead, but both of us have a heart for, you know, something along those lines and not to steer the conversation in too much of a direction one way or another. But I'd love to start out and talk to you and kind of get the the ground laid about the household in God's plan, the household in God's divine economy before we shift and talk about the beauty of nature and how we can do that. And I know it's something that you speak so beautifully about. So I'd love to I'd love to just hear you set the stage.
1: Yeah, well, well, thanks, thanks. That's a it's gr- a great place to start, John. Um, you know, I I I think I'd put it to you this way: um, we're made for relationship, right? We are a reflection of God's divine nature, and God is Trinity. God, as it were, lives in relationship, and so it really is. I think really coming right to the heart of what it means to be human, to recognize that human life is about. Deepening, growing, cultivating rich relationships, relationships of different kinds, obviously, most ultimately, with the Lord. And by his loving plan, that relationship, which is always primary, kind of calls for grounds, overflows into our relationships with other human persons, even angelic persons. And so it's just such an amazing gift we are for these relationships. That's always the heart of the matter. And I think we see this in so many different aspects of nature. Now, here I'm going to use nature kind of in the philosophical sense. We're, we want to get to talk about nature in a little bit more the way that you and I tend to in daily uh, talking speak about it, kind of what's outside the window. But remembering it in the way that Aristotle did, we, we speak of human nature. Right? And so we we want to look at what does God write into our nature? God has a nature, too. The angels have nature, using that in the rich sense. Well, so much is written into human nature. And at the center of that, absolutely key, so much kind of revolves around household, family and household being written into our nature. If there's one thing that's very clear, we could say that's, quote, natural to us is that we live in family, that we live in household, Aristotle's really big on this, St. Thomas Aquinas, the great theologian who loves to use Aristotle. These are my kind of great mentors. They say, hey, this is, this is something that you can see that clearly is part of the providential way things are set up. We need to live in this community. It's in this community especially, not solely, but especially that we live out our human life, that we become ourselves. There's so many different aspects of human life, again, that kind of center around it. And so I think also the thing, John and Sam, that's so kind of beautiful and it so speaks to us of how household needs to be central today is it brings us back, if we see it rightly, it brings us back that truth I opened with. The life's about relationship. If we're going to rediscover household, we need to rediscover that Household is always all about relationships, and those relationships with a certain beautiful natural order. In the household, in the fullest sense, it starts with the spousal relationship, right? So, so I mean, right there, just that have that sense of, hey, the household is this rich thing. We're not going to reduce it down just to the marriage relationship, but to see how marriage is at the center, at the root, this is going to give us the opportunity to see the fullness. And then, of course, in God's providence, hopefully, the way that that then overflows into a relationship with children. Well, I mean, here's here, here's the heart of the matter. But again, that doesn't narrow things. That's the foundation for looking at all these other aspects. So many things we can talk about. We're going to end up, on, I know, talking about first, it's gardening, right? Yeah. Gardening, Has a great importance, especially in the context of it's ultimately about relationships. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to keep coming back to that. I think that's going to be the kind of key angle through which we're going to rediscover. We reinvigorating our sense of, oh my gosh, everything here in the household, how, how how we're decorating things, what we're doing, how we're setting up the patio, um, you know, what we're doing in the yard, how, how we how we think about interacting with neighbors and on and on. All that is going to be rooted in the richest truths of we're made for a relationship, and that especially shows up in a household.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah, that that is beautiful.
2: I love this idea of like relationship being at the heart, really, of reality. Like, it's not just something that we discover one day. Like, it really is um, something that we're participating in at all times. It's just just kind of relational um, being. Um, And, and, you know, we could go on. I'm sure you have many brilliant things to say about how we got here culturally, and I would love to hear that. But um, what I'm really interested in is this idea of love and use, like uh, we look around in the world today and like it's just this utilitarian mindset of like nature is just like this raw material for me to like put to use. You know, if I want to build a bomb out of it or if I want to, you know, build a chair out of it or whatever, like it's just raw material. And like we also bring this mindset to our relationship so often, even in the family, where it's like my spouse is there to be used to make me happy, you know? And like, and it just warps and distorts everything. So I'd love to hear you um, talk a little bit about like, what is the difference between love and use and how does the family help us cultivate um, a right understanding of bringing uh, love into these these ways in which we engage with the world?
1: Yeah, and I'll say, again, that's kind of keeping us at the heart of things. There's there's so much. Um, you know, one way I think of seeing the kind of predicament that we're in, and I know it's easier for us to talk negatively. And there's certain—I mean, it, it's a gift that we live in the age that we do. We all know that, or we need sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. So we don't want to don't want to be overly negative, but I'm saying that to myself because that's what I'm <laughs> accused to be. Yeah. Uh, um, but the, we need to live in the truth, and part of seeing the gift of where we are now is seeing the problems in where we are now, then we can respond to it the way that God is calling us to. So it's it's not complaining, right? So the, yeah. to, to be taking that hard look at those things there that you're, that you're just saying. One, one way of talking about the problem I think that we have now, Sam and John, is that when you lose the higher things, then we tend to focus on lower things in a disordered way. Mm. And I'm going to give the, immediately the flip side of that, I think, is this might sound a little abstract, but but I think this is really, really important. When you put the first things first, when you put the higher things first, you not only get them You not only kind of thrive in the sense of you're recognizing what's most important and giving it its due, but you also therein discover the basis for the richness of all the other things too. And so to have things in right order, I I like to say this is a very uh, platonic principle. You see this in the great philosophers. You put things in the right order and you get everything. You, you, you flip things on their, on their head and you put the lower things first. You actually not only lose the higher things, you lose the lower things, too. You mess mm-hmm. it up. So why is my mind going there in, in response to your question? It's like, well, what did that have to do with Sam just asked? Well, it, it has to do in, in this way. When you... Think in terms of those who recognize the higher, more personal, meaning having to do with persons, the higher spiritual goods. They loving those things rightly rooted in that they recognize how in God's great providence, there's all these other things that are part of God's plan that are part of particularly being embodied spirits, not being angels, being human. There's so many things, literally stuff It's going to be part of how we thrive, the part of how we serve God. And so we learn to see them for what they are and love them rightly, too, in how they serve the higher things. But again, when we when we lose that hierarchy, when we when we don't realize that it's it's all according to divine plan, where, for instance, character and relationships, our worshiping God, liturgy. That things like this have a certain primacy well we don't uh, when we don't have that then we're kind of almost as we're scrounging around going going to those lower things we demand something of them that they can't give and we misuse them. So that's where I come to sorry if that was like kind of hyper philosophical but but you talk about the, the misuse of the natural world around us the only way to get this right again and this is what the so many environmentalists, God bless them, that they don't that they don't see. It's only when you put, I'm just going to come out and say it this way, God, and the higher human things first, then you see it's part of that plan that all of these things in the natural world and how we interact with them, they have their place. So it's Christians, they're in the, a wonderful and I think unique opportunity to then use rightly. Not misuse, not abuse, not use in a selfish way. See when, when, you, when you put the higher things first, you're not being selfish. You're looking out and you're realizing God's calling us to this great thing. So again, I, 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 it, calm me down if I'm moving if I'm answering your, yeah. uh, your question, Sam or John at kind of too much of 30,000 feet. But um, let's learn to love and appreciate these lower things because that's part of God's plan in how it's an integrated whole of becoming what he wants us to be.
2: Yeah. yeah and just, uh, just to, to um, process that a little bit, like, I, you know, even with the, even with the family, like even, you know, and we in marriage counseling, they talk about this a lot where like you you can you begin to expect things of your spouse that they were never meant to fulfill or like, and, and why is that? Because like you're saying, you, you've neglected these higher things, this right order, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. placing maybe even the spousal relationship or human love in a place where it's never meant to be. And because of that, like you're saying, you lose the lower things too. You lose, their marriage starts to break down, your relationship starts to break down. And you can't figure out why, but it's because you're. It's it's taken on a, a status that it was never meant to hold. And same with same with nature and the environment, where it's like it becomes this idol, and then it 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 breaks down eventually. Like your even your appreciation exactly. and love for nature. Yeah, I love that. I think that that, that definitely Amen. answers what I was what I was thinking. So appreciate that. Pretty good.
0: Yeah and in further uh, down this this pathway here I kind of want to talk about bringing clarity to that uh, to you know because at the same time I see that catholics in America here are often a little bit um even behind being good stewards of nature of the earth of, of the world there there's there's a certain you know Trigger in in let's say orthodox circles because of what environmentalists have have turned it into and how they have idolized it and and placed it at the pinnacle and flipped it upside down. So in that rejection of it, we find ourselves lost and confused, right? And ourselves not even being able to appropriately appreciate uh, uh, um, God's goodness and especially what it can do to advance our call to holiness and to perfection and to to grow in those relationships. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that then.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, John, you're so right. It's, you know, human life is always very complex. And, you know, one thing I love to point out, especially to men in their household, is they are called upon, I think, by a divine plan, especially to be ready to exercise reason. In other words, to, take a, to, take a, um, to recognize their intellectual calling. This intellectual calling is obviously something shared between spouses, but there's a way in which I think the man is especially called to kind of take the lead there. And so I, I, I love to remind men, I don't care how you did it in school. I don't care whether you think you're the sharpest pencil in the cup. But we need to, to use our reason, especially today, to be intentional and kind of sort these things out. And it's going to be hard. That's part of the special challenge of our day is, hey, things are, I dare say, more confusing probably than they've ever been before. Not that it was ever you know, easy uh, yeah. to, to, to live a full life. It's always, it's always, the human thing is always a rich, complex thing. So why am I saying that right now? It's because it, it's understandable that, that we kind of confuse things. We miss that distinction. And that we're so used to seeing the kind of, as we just noted, kind of the, the, the crazy environmentalists, <clears throat> the, the crazies who are too much into bodily health and being foodie, mm. right? And so then we think, okay, well then, you know, clearly, you know, that's that's messed up. Well, and well, there is something messed up, but it, it, it's always about order. It's always about getting things right. And so we have to be ready to kind of use our reason here and make the distinction, okay? Here's the inappropriate way of emphasizing bodily health. Um Interaction with the material world, stewardship. Here's, here's here's the inappropriate way, kind of making it an end in itself, taking it out of the context where this is part of God's plan for us and is to bring us ultimately to the higher things. OK, now, but we recognize, hey, that doesn't mean that there's not a right way of doing that. And to recognize and here, love to just toss this quotation out there. One of my one of my a little bit more offbeat ancient writers, Xenophon, he wrote it. He wrote a piece that's called The Household Manager about the ancient household. And one of my favorite quotations among many in there is all these things are interconnected. You know, it, this might kind of seem like woo, kind of, kind of new age, like weird, like where, where is it going with this? Well, OK, it's in a context, but I love to just kind of reach for it to remind ourselves of something extremely important. In God's great providence, uh, the, the full life, the fully Christian life is a profoundly complex integrated one, where again, always about order, you put things in the right place. And that's, that's godly. That's the way God designed the universe. So in other words, let's get the bodily health, the stewardship of the earth in the right place, then it's going to be beautiful. Then it's going to take on this real shine. It's going to connect with all the highest things. And then when in the liturgy, you know, there's there's gifts that are being brought of bread and wine. You know, this isn't accidental. Bread and wine have a meaning. They have a context that ultimately, in Christianity. This is always the form. Lower things are brought into and raised up and transformed and given their fully fuller purpose. And how the higher things are. So, so again, I know we, we we need to talk details. And I'm going to let yeah. you all you know talk the details or force us into the details. But I hope that's going towards John what you're looking for some more clarity on.
0: That is. And I appreciate that because I do think that that's, what, that's exactly what I'm getting at is that in right order, we understand the disorder by comparison and we can see that. But at the same time, what is our call as men? What is our call to to bring to order our um, being good stewards of, of the earth? And and in these natures, I feel like we, we very often fall short because we live in such a consumerist society, a transactional society. I know this myself, right? I live in a, a suburb, so does So does uh, Sam, and we see our neighbors, you know, live in the consumerist lifestyle. We are influenced by that day in and day out with the digital media and things like that. So um, helping bring clarity to this issue is something that I'm very grateful for. So Sam, I'm sure you got something to (laughs) to jump in there with.
2: (laughs) No, and you keep going back to this idea of of kind of like a hierarchy or an order. And I think this is such an important concept because... Um, you know, man is like traditionally it was like it was it was kind of this mediator, right? Where nature was uh, the created world was kind of below man, and we were kind of put and and here to steward the earth. But above us was a whole realm of angels and um, and God Himself, of course. And um, but we're like in this middle point. We're like right. We're, we're at the pinnacle of nature of created of of uh, the material world. Um, but also, we have this, this intellectual, spiritual nature that's like in common with the angels, and so it, we're like we're right there in the middle. Um, but when you go back to the garden, right? Like, um, you think about Adam naming the animals, and I, I go back to this idea of a relationship that you talked about at the beginning, where a lot of times it's like Genesis is used as a as an excuse, like you know, like man is here to like own and dominate the earth. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the way a lot of people read Genesis. Whereas like, and I see Adam naming the animals. You don't give a name to an art, like something that you don't have a relationship with. Mm -hmm. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like by this act of naming the animals, Adam is like entering into a relationship with them. And I would love to go back to this idea of hierarchy, but also, Mm -hmm relationship because yep. the, you know and, and i'll just say one last thing is like even though it was it was pagan and it wasn't in the right context like the ancients like saw the world as like a community of beings mm-hmm. rather than like mm-hmm. as a collection of dead objects and we've kind of lost that mentality mm-hmm. but also it has to be in the proper context like there has to be a sense of there's community of beings above me as well as below me and so so how does relationship begin to heal this this wound of disordered hierarchy we
1: have in the natural world and with the spiritual world well uh great question how about this let's 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 and we'll start to talk more kind of brass tacks i you know i i asserted earlier that way to think about the household is think in terms first of those relationships so let's just let's let's go there clearly something nature is telling us let's let's just take let's just assume right now that we're thinking of ourselves uh, married men right yeah. in in a household and this will apply you know to, to all men in some form but let's just kind of go for that as kind of the archetype here so i have this kind of primary relationship with my spouse so it's it's always 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 about persons the, and, and again let, I restrain myself coming over philosophically, I'll keep asking these really philosophical questions. I want,, like, oh, there's so much so much richness there to go with. There is a kind of relationship with the animals. But it is, of course, a different you know, the, 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 there's there's a drop off there. In the in the great hierarchy, It's always going to be the case that anything that is subhuman is for the sake of the human. Anything that we're doing in the realm of the lower living things is to enhance our relationship with persons, ultimately with God, and uh, then also with the human person. So uh, here, here's an approach to stewardship in the home of stewardship, namely you're in my homes, because mm. clearly the home is where stewardship should most happen. This is where we live. The household is a community of daily life, as Aristotle said. Mm. It's also the place where you attend to the simple daily needs, both the, both on the bodily level, and on the spiritual level. So the household is where we're going to be doing the kind of normal stuff of life. It calls for an interaction, as clearly God's plan shows, with a lot of the lower things, even, even elements that are not alive, but then especially lower living things, you know, the plants and then the animals. So somehow in God's providence, our interacting with them is going to be good for us. It's going to be ways that that we discover ourselves and and, and and somehow come to a greater fullness of our own nature, especially that in being able to enhance our personal relationships very, very specifically. Let me just kind of assert it this way. Gardening is a great way to work on my marriage. Gardening is a great way to work on my relationships with my children, to good work in taking care, respecting, and stewarding the earth, even just in my yard, is a very important part of my growing in character and my having a good natural context to deepen relationships. So we, we started with, it's always about persons. What are the natural contexts that are best for relationships of persons. So here I'm gonna gonna push a little bit. Is there some extent to which we can have good personal relationships in almost any context? You know, that's tricky. I'm gonna quote Wendell Berry on this. Very interesting character. A a line that I really love of his. says, all living things need a conducive context to thrive. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think this is sheer brilliance. All living things. Need a conducive context to thrive. And there's so much going on there. But I'm going I'm just gonna zero in right now on we're living things. We're living things in the highest sense. And where do we especially live our daily life? We live in our household. Our household requires a certain kind of context for our relationships to thrive. I say this all the time to my students here at the college. I need you to look for the ways of coming together in rich ways. I want you to do things like go for a walk and discuss some reading you've done rather than simply watch a movie together. I want you to communicate face to face rather than to text one another. Life is a very communication is key to a relationship. What context are you in? I want you to be in these spaces that allow you to be in physical proximity and appreciate one another in very important ways. The, this is the issue of context matters. Another just a simple line from Wendell Berry. Context matters. So, in God's great providence, it seems pretty clear that the most obvious conducive context for human relationships is in doing the normal, ordinary things of life that serve life, that are human things that we do in our body, that have always been done forever and ever, ages going back, that were the normal stuff of household. These are things that are conducive to growing our relationships. And I think that's going to be key to our renewing our relationships, to renewing our household, is to just start again and say, hey, things like gardening, things like at some point here, I want to talk about hunting. I want to talk about fishing. I want to talk about working with wood. I want to talk about especially raising your sons in such a way that they are getting a sense of their body, that they can be competent with their body, that they can work together with their father, with their brother, with their friends, with their body. These things that, well, really, are those things that important? I say, yes. I say, this is what life around us is showing us right now. These are the things that so many kind of aimless people coming out of these kind of eviscerated households, they have been uprooted, literally, from the contexts for that, that richer, deeper personal growth and connection.
0: I want to take a moment and I want to thank all of our current sponsors and our donors. We are so grateful for the help that you have given us over the years. It is because of you that we have been able to expand our reach to millions of men in hundreds of uh, countries to help expand the vision and mission of what it means to be a man and be a saint, which is exactly what The Catholic Gentleman is about. So over the next three weeks, we have a very unique request that we are going to be asking new donors to help us with.
2: And yeah, to make a long story short, we uh, previously recorded our podcast and our Got a Gentleman Plus premium content in a studio out of state for both of us. And there's various reasons for that. But we were renting equipment, we were renting studio space. And in order to use our donor money more wisely, more efficiently, we really want to bring that studio back home to Texas. And in order to do that, though, we have to purchase some equipment to build that studio. Because again, we're not renting it anymore. We need to buy our own equipment in order to record things um, in a in a home studio so what we really need is your support to make that happen Uh, because uh, it's not it's not cheap we have a number in mind we need to raise three thousand dollars and that's the bare minimum we've whittled it down to the bare minimum that we need to make this happen there's no extravagances here no fluff here this is the equipment that we need to continue to produce high quality content for people like you, and we want to do this because our hearts are in this. You know, we want to serve men, but we need your support and your help. Um, so that's that's the ask.
0: Absolutely. So if you are um, open to giving us a portion of that three thousand dollars, five, ten, twenty, a hundred whatever it is that you can give, head over to catholicgentleman.com support. You can head over to catholicgentleman.com and you can click on the support button. It's gonna take you to the same page. And over the next three weeks, for all the donation dollars that come in at catholicgentleman.com slash support, we're gonna give you three free months of the Catholic Gentleman Plus, which is our exclusive membership platform that has a ton of things uh, going on with it. And so for the next three weeks, anybody that gives, is going to receive three months of the Catholic Gentleman Plus as a thank you for helping us continue to expand our mission, continue to elevate the content that we are creating and honestly save money over time so that we can continue to do this and be wise stewards of uh, the donation dollars that are coming in.
2: Yeah, thank you again for your support as you prayerfully consider giving something to this goal and uh, we appreciate anything that you can manage uh, no matter how small that might be. Uh, So thank you so much for supporting high-quality Catholic content.
1: What do you think?
0: Yeah, I do. And I was just going to say I, so much. And and I wanted to bring us there because I wanted to um, uh, bring us to the practical or bring us to to these and expand beyond it. And then you said fishing. And, and Henry Thoreau popped in my head is that so many men go fishing, not realizing it's not the fish they're looking for and they'm like well we can't go back to the philosophy we got we gotta we gotta stick to stick to the practical and so with that you you mentioned intentional right and I think that this is a uh is unfortunately becoming a radical concept uh today is that we are aimless we just are, are pushed around by um by the marketing uh online the the feed in our in our social media that's that's quite literally feeding on us. And it's, it's all digital and it's not keeping us into that practical and into this, I'm sorry, this incarnational, this relationship with with others. And so I would love for you to just move. You mentioned that gardening can be a way of growing in relationship with our spouse and a relationship with our children. And I think that's a great place to start if we could get down to that just a little bit more, uh, because I guarantee you the majority of our listeners um, only think gardening are for people who are retired or for people who just really have that sort of green thumb and that knack for it. But there's so much there in that comment. And I'd love love to hear you 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 talk about how that well, is the reality yeah
1: love to, love to give it give it a try here don't hesitate to challenge me you know draw me out call me out um I, I, how how about this to some extent i like to say to people look doesn't it just feel like cultivating the earth has something special that maybe that we should have a kind of preferential option for it. Even if immediately there's not the argument that makes it clear, oh, yes, obviously this is something I have to do. They're just, I I, I want to encourage people to kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. I mean, even just in going back to Genesis, you know, there's, there's obviously a rich analogicity to the term kind of gardening mm. and cultivating. And so, you know, does everybody have to be in the garden? I mean, no, you know, honestly, I don't think St. Thomas Aquinas as a Dominican friar was spending a lot of time in the garden. Right. And I'm not going to say, well, shame on you, St. Thomas, you know, you didn't get the memo that you got to be in the garden. So it's not, it's not as though it, 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 it's the absolute universal, but at the same time, there is something, I mean, hey, St. Thomas wasn't living in household, in the primary natural sense of household. And Aristotle thought, he, he, go philosophical for just a moment, because I think this will, really will help. He really did say and think that our growing things from the earth, taking care of animals, was, was intended by nature. That it was pretty much universally something that we at least would to some extent in a household have our hand in. Because historically, it really was pretty much the only way to take care in some some way of, of the physical needs. And so with a certain docility to a divine order and you say, hey, it really seems the way that God has set these things up. He's saying to you, here's something that deserves a special place. Now, we're in a situation where due to our, our, our advances in technology, this raises big philosophical questions. We don't have to sort it all out. Um, you know, now, we don't have to. I think now it's come to the point where we thought it was going to be an advance to kind of, quote, free us up maybe only have a few, very small percent of people have to do this thing. We thought that was going to free us for higher and better things. And now, now we're realizing, and now we all need to call one another, say, hey, you know, like Andrew Lytle in, in, in one of his Southern um, agrarian essays, writing in the 1930s, he said, you know, at first it might've seemed like this is an advance for our girls, our, my teenage daughters, to have a job in town rather than having to be out there working in the field. And, and, and it just says, and then we kind of realized wait a second, how is a job at Kmart being a teller a richer human experience? than being in the fields mm-hmm. And so this, it was just we've had to, we've had to progressively stu- kind of discover some of these things that now it's taken for granted. well you know send your child off to do this and of course they want to do that. We've missed something that is kind of the sleeper, but it's just so, so obviously natural and there. I go back to the analogicity. If one other thing you can say of nothing else, you learn so many lessons about life through those simple analogies that clearly the greatest teacher who ever walked the face of the earth thought with the single most important analogies to use to teach the single most important things and never underestimate. I I think in our pride, sometimes we think, oh, oh, we get this good shepherd thing. We we get the grain, uh, grain of wheat thing. You know, we we got all that. We're kind of sophisticated. We understand back then, you know, they had to kind of do all those things themselves rather than recognizing these are things that it's very important to experience from the inside. So as to then be able to go back to those lessons that our Lord is teaching us about that smaller seed that grows into something bigger and how kind of wheat actually does die do we we know what that means if you plant a green grain of wheat it doesn't grow you know these are the things you have to understand from gardening that give you a foundation for so many of the most important things the whole realm of weeding is Mm. is so important in almost every aspect of life most of all in relationships there's weeds yeah. In our relationship. So so, so just that, that it, it gives us this kind of rootedness, this foundation we referred earlier to be able to think clearly and make distinctions, being close to the earth utterly convinced of it. And we see it more and more coming home to roost. People now, who are the people that are keeping their common sense? Who are the people that are not running after we don't have to get into the things of things that they're claiming about human and man and woman and how can people be thinking such things? In general, people are living close to the earth tend not to go that way. So that's just one thing of what a difference it makes. Uh yeah, uh, that's <laughs> that's amazing. And just tissue... you
2: encourage anyone who's listening to this plant something even if it's in like a pot uh on your patio like just plant something because there's nothing more miraculous than putting this little seed you got from a packet somewhere or something put in the ground and and like a week later two weeks later three weeks later like some green is growing out of there and it's like it's just nothing like that experience you know I recently saw someone, um, start fire with a, with a bow, um, just a friction fire. And I've, I've clicked lighters thousands of times, you know, <laughs> and, and it, but seeing that smoke start coming out of this like little bundle of grass and like all of a sudden the oh it's fire it was like a, it was like a miracle, you know? And like, and I felt like I saw a fire for the first time when I saw them just come out of nowhere, seemingly, you know? And it's the same with the planting a seed. Like it really is miraculous. And the first time that fruit comes out or like that vegetable comes out and it's just like, it's a miracle. My kids get so excited about it. Like mom, dad is like, and honestly, we're terrible gardeners, but, but like we we try every year and we get right. better and better every year. We learn those lessons and it's totally worth it. It's completely inefficient. You can just go down the, the street to the store and get whatever you want. But, but it's it's a miracle, and like it brings you back into
1: actual relationship with nature. Um, but Sam, I'm I'm with you. And pardon me for interrupting, but I, I just have to tell you that I mean you said and you're terrible a lot. I was just talking to someone who said, oh, doctor kind you know start, started a uh, a garden this year, you know because because of you know your videos encouraging it, and I and 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 then and then she 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 said it was a total failure. I said, no, I said, no, stop. It was not a total failure. I don't care if the seeds didn't come up. You have learned something. You've seen something. You've experienced something. There's all these things are interconnected. There's all kinds of webs and threads here that are interconnected. And Sam, I'm I'm just going to put, you know, pokey a little bit here. You said it's inefficient. Okay. From one perspective, it's inefficient. So I'll, I, I won't be corrective of your use of the term because <laughs> uh, obviously I, I know what you mean. But, but then again, it, it depends on, and you'll immediately grant this, what the goal is, right? If, if the goal is just to get food in the refrigerator and then in your tummy, Um, then you might, you know, we could say it's inefficient, right? But all these things are interconnected. Feeding our bodies is never just feeding our bodies. Isn't it a natural plan that how we feed our bodies was to be a whole beautiful process that feeds our relationships, that feeds our soul, that grows our character. And it's so easy to lose that if we, if we lose sight of the deeper simpler things that you know our 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 passions our concupiscence for for success and power and pleasure can kind of overpower and we forget those things it goes back to our discussion earlier yeah. then yeah you can be you can be obsessed with just kind of the efficient the more the the the, the progress and and literally think that we're better off that's one of the big, this better off Thing, what exactly is the standard of saying we're better off right now? I'm not saying we're not better off in any way, but we need you and I, especially men in our households, for the sake of our spouse, our children, ourselves, we need to be asking these questions. What are the things we're prioritizing? And in view of that, we're going to come up with, with, a, with a plan where something like gardening, hopefully, gardening, I do think it's kind of a universal default that's always at least worth doing, as you just said, Sam and other things too we can talk about right now are gonna have real importance.
0: Yeah, and I will say to that same point, uh, my uh, eight-year-old daughter had been forever wanting me to create a raised flower bed. And so I'm just going to call out all men if you have a daughter that wants to do this, go do it for her and don't make excuses because I found two pallets that were free, uh, pallet wood. I, I do love working with wood. So I do have that blessing. And so I decided to make her a raised flower bread for free. I mean, it did, it, it cost me absolutely nothing but time with my daughter. And we did this in uh, the end of June here in the state of Texas. And then we went and bought seeds ignorant to the fact that not really going to be, planting things in the month of July in Texas with a lot of success. So we now have this and we we put the soil and everything for it. But my uh, daughter and I had a great time and we have a bunch of uh fall plants that we are planning on on taking taking care of later on. So let's talk about those some of these other ways. Like you mentioned hunting with um with boys and so my oldest son is uh, seven and a half right now and I love hunting and I'm actually going this weekend to go uh, skeet shooting, not hunting, but um, to go uh, Mm -hmm. skeet shooting with a friend of mine who's never been and and I'm really looking forward to that. But um, you mentioned it and I'm just gonna directly ask you, why'd you bring up hunting? What about hunting
1: is is worth its salt? I think there's something primordial about it, John. there's here's I'm going to go back to Xenophon for a moment. He refers to a great Persian leader. It was actually believe it or not, this is perfect way to go. <laughs> Thanks for asking that question. It was the context for his statement. All these things are interconnected, hmm. and he talks about how um, the Persian leader would go for a ride in his horse. And how at one of the same time, he was getting to know the fields that he would tend better by this writing. He was also exercising. And thus it was good for his body. And further, it was very important for the military art. Mm. And, and, And it's in that context where then he's saying it was an important thing, his daily riding and riding, you know, now when we think of riding a horse, we just kind of think of, you know, well, let's go on a trail ride, kind of a recreation. That's fun. And and of course, it is fun. I mean, throw in a great, great kind of vision and sightseeing. But but, by the way, they point out there's no way to get to know your land versus going on the four wheeler. When you go on a horse, you feel the earth through the horse's feet. Mm -hmm. And there's this, so there's, there's this beautiful kind of relationship with an animal feeling that there's, there's so much that could be said simply for the beautiful aspect of kind of you being a master of the horse. Again, you're getting bodily exercise, you're seeing beautiful things and the connection with, this is actually an art that for them, particularly that whenever it came to battle, well, being good, a good horseman was absolutely key. So why does that come to mind here? There's something about hunting. I think, first of all, boys should know how to shoot. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, in, 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 in the Middle Ages, you, you, you got to know how to use a sword. And, and you'd use sword and knives for any number of things, you're slaughtering animals. And at some time, you might have to defend the home. Well, in this day and age, if you're going to be prepared to defend the home, by and large that's often going to include having some comfort at least what if it comes down to it of being able to use a firearm yeah. and it's, so there's there's a kind of martial aspect here of of it's always at least in the back of the mind you don't put it in the forefront i think you done rightly hunting is just all these things are interconnected i just i think of it as relationship to a, a, a father mentoring his son, having a context where the son is so excited to do it, especially if we do it right, who has this sense of I'm being called to something manly, I'm being entrusted with something that's very big. I'll tell you this, John and Sam, I've seen it with my own eyes. It's astounding how young you can trust a boy to understand you never point this at a person. Except were it to come to some type of extreme situation, I I already trust my four-year-old grandson with a BB gun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, just because he's four, you're not you're not you're not gonna do you know trust him with certain other things. But I mean, I I, I I I he looks me in the eye. I've already done this with my sons, but he looks me in the eye, and it's such a moment of connection. He knows I trust him he will not betray that trust. That is such a huge part of his becoming who he is. So yeah. this is why I say there's something about hunting. There's so many things I can point to as the antecedents of the something. Relationship of father and son, the, 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 the passion of, of, of killing an animal and, and the beauty of maybe sometimes a son might say, may he say, gosh, dad, it's, it's hard for me to kill an animal or maybe you say that to your son yeah. son i i am with you i am with you we are not doing this simply for sport yeah we don't kill things unless we're planning on eating the life lessons here are jaw dropping i mean this is real this is this i mean take this this is the extreme opposite of social media yeah whatever social media is it's fake. Real hunting is real.
0: Yeah. Well, and I'm grateful. I would say you just, I just echo everything you stated. And, um, and for listeners who aren't, haven't ever experienced that, I'd encourage you to, and, and remove your, um, biases because in my personal experience with hunting or going to a ski shooting range, it is, it is the utmost, respect for the weapon and for the animal and for nature and and it's never um kind of what the media is going to have you believe of a bunch of you know white trash for lack of a better word uh that are just sh- shooting things willy-nilly on purpose like that is not at all what i mean in fact it's i can't even think of a time where i've met somebody like that and uh And it is, it's just filled so, so with it. And I would say even starting with, you just had me thinking about it, um, a pocket knife, right? And I remember the first time I gave my son a pocket knife, you know, uh, he, he was, he felt a certain degree of, of rite of passage. And at the same time, we also experienced him wanting to now buy every other pocket knife and us having to pull back, you know, and, and, and work through that and, and the balance of, of what is right order in that sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of, of how you spoke um
2: to hunting yeah i um I, I totally agree i remember like and this is something that uh, god bless our moms but they they don't always understand because uh my wife was just so afraid when i first got my son a pocket knife i was like honey like boys want to be trusted like they want to be responsible like deep down i think they do and when you give them the ground rules and you teach them in that moment like there's there is uh, a moment of connection there that is really powerful and that stays with kids as they embrace that responsibility and take a step towards being trusted. Um, but uh, one last thing too, you know, we, I want to kind of come back to from uh, my perspective is, you know, we, we were talking about like inefficiency. And by the way, I wasn't advocating for that mind, that
1: worldview. Oh, I, I, I know you were no, saying
2: so. no. And And what I... Want to emphasize, though, is um, that, like you were saying, there's value in these other things. So so like how can we start to like, you know, we're talking about like the economy, of the household, like if you're managing like, you know, 100 sheep, and and you've got, you know, wine barrels over here. And like we're talking hundreds of years ago, you know, and you've got a big garden over here and um, you're like got someone making candles over here and like you're the overseer of all that like it's that's a big responsibility. it's very easy to put these things into practice these principles that we're talking about, these uh, Aristotelian principles of economy and household management and nowadays it's like uh, one click Amazon shopping, you know, like I said, go to go to Costco, buy whatever you need and and basically the only thing you're really managing is your budget and and most of the forces in the economy don't want you to even manage that. they just want you to get in debt and like, um, so we talked about gardening as like one way to kind of recover that, but are there any other steps that kind of include the whole, like, like, uh, as a father, like I'm looking at my family and wanting to teach them responsibility, teach them to, uh, embrace hard things or things that, that maybe have great value, but are a little uncomfortable or, or whatever. Like, what are some, some kind of final recommendations you would leave to our fathers who are listening to this? Like. How can they start implementing some of these things in their families, um, whether it's starting a garden or something else?
1: Like, how can we bring this down to ground level and start? Sure. Sure. Great. Thanks, Sam. Um, Real quick intro to answering that. I'd say this. Probably the vast majority of us men are not going to be able to have will not have a. a job where that kind of thing that we just talked about from the past is our primary profession. Some of course can, and that shouldn't be ruled out. Uh, You know, the, these, these trades that can might still be able to be rediscovered. There is that for most of us, I think we're going to have to have a job outside the home, a profession where we're going to have to do that whole balance thing, which is a whole fascinating topic in itself. How do we get that balance straight? but a key i think, think main suggestion here in view of everything we've been talking about in view of relationships remembering this principle everything in the household we we go to the great virtue that st thomas aquinas talks about that should govern the household it's exercised by husbands and wives together called domestic or household prudence in household prudence everything is measured by how does this serve the relationships I'm called to grow in. How does it serve my relationship with the Lord? How does it serve my spousal relationship, the parental relationship, the children's relationship with one another, and all of our relationships with the Lord? Absolutely everything is measured by that stick. And in view of that, then to recognize conducive contexts, what we've talked about here, again, there's not a one size fits all, but I think to get in this zone, to look for real natural time-tested kind of arts, ways of using the body and interacting with the earth in responsible, caring, art-filled ways. These are worth doing because they are a beautiful expression of humanity, period. Something like being a master of the horse, something like you know, really being that cultivator of the earth, being that outstanding hunter. These are great kind of arts in themselves, but particularly to the point, why, why, what am I saying to men? Look for that one or two that you can find the time for, because we got to be realistic here. Yeah. Right. But but see them. As the way that you are going to enrich your home life giving you a context to work together think in terms of good work think in terms of those natural time-tested ordinary things that we can just kind of start to we've already given a a, a little list and we can and we can say some more we can say woodworking you know there's something about working with wood the kind of so basic crafts, drawing Sewing, it, sewing, sewing isn't simply for women. I just read a great book by wella Cather about Nabarovsky. Nabarovsky, this great Czech immigrant, he, he was he was a master of sewing, and he used it in all different kinds of ways in, in the household. So many different kind of handcrafts. We don't try to become the jack of all trades the way that so many were then. We're very realistic. Choose one, choose two that I'm able to do together with my spouse as maybe part of our home economy together with the children. The children can do together with one another. That that's the approach, be it one or be it two. It's going to make a difference.
0: I love it. I really appreciate you saying that because there could be a notion and that's going back to just bookending this with relationships is the beauty of that, that household is that it is building relationships. So we're not talking about getting into hunting and getting into fishing and getting into gardening so that you can remove yourself from the burden of the family life, right? Our lives ontologically as men is sacrifice, right? We sacrifice ourselves for the sake of of our family. And this is a beautiful way to sacrifice like our personal me time or whatever we would say for the sake of growing in that beauty and that relationship. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, any, any thoughts along, along those lines? And I'm probably just repeating what we've, we've already been discussing here.
1: Well, John, I love it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that 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 connects back to all these things are interconnected. You said being willing to give something up, being a man, being a husband, being a father is always about living for others. And, and these are ways; these, these things are going to stretch us. It, this is maybe part of the gift of our age. Especially today, we need to kind of step up and recognize we're not just doing this for the sake of saving the old arts. No, there's mm. so much more at stake than just saving the old arts. This is about the right worship of God. This is about right relation. This is about human flourishing. This is about real humanity. And, and, and it's going to grow our character. It's going to demand a ton of us. It's always been that case, and it's, it's just maybe especially clear now. We have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to give up certain things we would have wanted to do otherwise, time that we would have spent doing this or that. It's a it's a all hands on deck, but it will fulfill us too. It, when we give of ourselves here, we're going to discover the, that great paradox that's in giving our lives that we're going to find it. Amen. Absolutely.
0: Well,
2: it says like, yeah, the old song, like, uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Like, like sometimes you have to lose things in order to, to rediscover their value. And like, I love that you keep coming back to the gift of our age, because you're right. We like, we, we focus on the negatives so often that we think there can't possibly be any good, good things in our age. But like, I think by losing so many of these beautiful aspects of our humanity, I think people are waking up and realizing it's not satisfying and coming back around. To rediscovering like what what does it mean to be human? Uh, how can we be human fully? Um, so on that note, like can you give us some ways to find you online to uh, continue to learn from the wisdom of the ancient philosophers, um, but also learn from your wisdom today as you are striving to live these things in your daily life? Like where can we find you online? Any books that you could recommend that you've written or? Uh, Thanks, Sam.
1: Thanks for asking. I really appreciate it. Life life-craft.org is my website, life-craft.org. Lifecraft, what why do I call it lifecraft? It's kind of going to hey, particularly in this day and age, th- this is the ultimate craft, the craft that brings in the importance of all those undercrafts. This is especially what we do in the home. We we, we especially as men, this is our vocation to craft the good life in ourselves and in the relationships and the little community that we've been given special responsibility for. So what am I especially trying to do there? Bring in ancient wisdom to bear on life today. I'm always, that's what I've done as a philosopher professor for so long, looking at these great thinkers and thinking about their principles and asking again and again, how do we apply those to, you know, our times now. And so what I've done is a little bit of a smorgasbord. I've got an online course called Man of the Household. I got an online course called "Woman of the Household." I've got a YouTube channel. I've got a lot of videos. I've got I do a weekly post, trying to just give a quick reflection on each of these different kind of related things. These things we keep saying are interconnected. I have a Wednesday quote once a week of just just hey, take a great quotation from Aristotle, who's that great thinker, and then say how does this make a difference for what we're doing now? So that's at LifeCraft. It's a it's a bit of a smorgasbord of gathering together people. They're thinking in these terms, asking these hard questions, especially of how we're going to craft a truly human life in our homes. Yeah, thank you so much. You asked about the book. Friendship is always a key in this. We haven't really talked about that today. That's the one book that I have out at this point is A True Friendship from uh, Ignatius. And I I think if we're going to do this, we got to be banding together in real friendship with others that share our values. And so that's such an important part of this whole effort.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm going to drop all that in the show notes. I'm going to also add your Instagram account and everything. You've been coming out with some great shorts and things like that. that are just those tidbits that we need, those constant reminders. And that's what I want to thank you for right now. I want to thank you for, for those of us who have wrestled with these thoughts before, for just bringing further clarity to them, further definition and, and helping, uh, elevate and, uh, our mind, uh, to the, the need for these things and the need for prioritizing things, things, because, yeah, Satan doesn't want that to happen, and the world certainly throws the temptations at us that keep us from prioritizing and being intentional in these areas, and so we just fall into the the old ways of doing things, mm-hmm. and and those are never the the, the way forward that uh, that God has in mind for us. And so, be that man that you uh, want to be, and not necessarily who you are for yourself and for your family, and. And for all those, there's a lot more I was hoping to get into. So we're going to have to have you back on and talk about more of the, the household system and the, you know, kind of the ontological fatherhood of all men and things of that nature. But but John, let me just thank you so much for, for joining well, us today.
1: And just, and thank you, John and Sam, thank you so much for everything you're doing. It's an inspiration to me and so many people. So it's it's great to be home in the row, literally and figuratively uh, together with you.
0: So true, so true. Well, as we end each of our episodes, Be a man, be a saint.